It's August 2nd, 1343, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day in 1343 that Olivier Clisson III, one of the great lords of Brittany, was beheaded in Paris because supposedly he supported Edward III in his claim to the throne of France. However, you know, great respect and everything to Monsieur Clisson and his detached head. No one would remember him now were it not for the fact that this event on this day triggered his wife, Jean, to go absolutely apeshit and go about violently avenging his death like a French Kill Bill. Well, she was particularly shocked, not least of all because the evidence of her husband's guilt hadn't been terribly well publicly demonstrated, but also the means of his death was so shocking because de Clisson, her husband, his corpse was put in this gibbet in Paris, one of those things for displaying the body, but his head was then sent to Nantes in Brittany, and this was a very unusual death and display that was usually reserved for low-class criminals rather than members of the nobility like de Clisson. And you think that this manner of execution would have repulsed Jean that she would have wanted to have nothing to do with it. Instead, she went to see her husband's head hung over the city gate of Nantes, and she even took their sons, Olivier and Guillaume, who were seven and five at the time. And legend says she made them swear to avenge their father's death. It may have worked slightly too well, because Olivier Jr. would go on to be called the butcher. (laughs) I mean, I know when a close relative dies, it supposedly provides closure, if you can see the dead body. But I think use your discretion. Five-year-old, bloodied, detached, (laughs) beheaded head. Just a bit much, isn't it? I was pretty impressed that she had this much energy left for defending her husband's legacy because this was actually her third husband. She was mm-hmm. born in 1300 and she was married at the age of 12 or 13 to a different Breton lord, a 19-year-old called Geoffrey de Chateaubriand. He was already a widower <laughs> as well. What a mad time to grow up. They had two children. She had another brief union with a different nobleman, which was an old circumstances that aren't quite clear. And then she finally met and married Olivier de Clisson, who was another Breton. You know what they say, once you go Breton, you never go back. <laughs> and so the fact fact that by her third marriage and she had multiple kids as well that she still had this fire in her that she was going to avenge him you know you'd think she'd just be looking for her fourth husband but i think if she was here on the podcast rebecca she would say the difference (laughs) is that the third marriage was a love marriage whereas the first two were obviously i mean she was 13 or whatever the first Mm. two were obviously you know to help her for property and the propriety of the family and all the rest of it she she loved olivier and was deeply upset when this happened. I I think she probably wasn't so bothered when the first team popped their clogs. A bit of historical context into which all of this popping of clogs took place. So in 1328, Charles IV of France died childless, and his closest heir was his nephew, the English king, Edward III. But the French nobility didn't really want an English person on the throne. They wanted a a Frenchman to rule. And And so everything that follows is their fault. Can we just agree? I'm not saying this as an Englishman. Like, like he <laughs> had the right to the throne. Like, they were then like, oh, no, you have to be born in France. No, he's the king. You're making the fuss. You deserve this problem. It's amazing that you still want to mount this argument on behalf of your country people <laughs> this far later. It's the right king. Up, <laughs> um, anyway, so rather than a 700 years war, this ga- gave way to the 100 years war. But also simultaneously, you had this parallel conflict that was going on, which was the War of Breton Succession. And that was triggered fairly similarly that in 1341, the Duke of Brittany, John III, died without an heir. And I have to say, Olivier de Clisson was done dirty, it sounds like, because in this conflict, he took the French-backed side. He was backing Charles de Bois, whereas the English were backing a candidate called John of Montfort. And the war had divided the whole de Clisson family, but they stood by the French contender. And 
Olivier was trusted to the point that he was in command of the city of Vannes when it fell to an attack from Edward III's English army and he was captured. However, he was really quickly released for a really small ransom in exchange for an English prisoner, the Earl of Stafford. And the circumstances of that transaction seem to maybe arouse suspicion that he might have been in cahoots with the English. But equally, it seems like this could be an instance of court rivalry and jealousy conspiring against him. In any case, what happened then when Olivia de Clisson was released and went back to Brittany, he was then invited to Paris with a bunch of other Breton noblemen and they thought they were going to a tournament and when they turned up, they were actually all arrested and several of them were executed. Okay, but when do we get to the awesome female vengeance? (laughs) Okay, so Jean then sells the family estates and using all this money, and it was a lot of money, she then led this force on attacks throughout French strongholds, including allegedly to the Chateau de Tufo. This one is an amazing one. Says with a big smile, this really, this is my well, favourite <laughs> massacre of the 1300s. <laughs> this, it's definitely, well, it's, it's, it's in the top five yeah. of what she got up to. Um, so she had this great plan, apparently, which is that she turned up to the castle uh, and approached the gates in tears, expecting that the owners would recognise her as Olivier's grieving widow and just let her in. And as soon as they opened the gates, because they did recognise her, she soon whipped out her forces and then stormed the castle. And her forces destroyed absolutely everything, killed everyone except, so the story goes, one sole survivor who was left to spread the word that she was coming and you didn't want to get in her way. And after a few massacres like this, it seems like she probably realised that her small army wasn't going to last very long in land-based battles against the King of France. So instead, she headed to England and she fitted out three warships to take the war to the waves. They were nicknamed the Black Fleet because they had black painted hulls and red sails. And then they set off into the sea to target French, (laughs) in fairness, to target defenceless merchant ships. (laughs) Yeah. So she really had decided that she was against the French Mm. now, you know, which is actually a new line in the sand, isn't it? Because regardless of who her husband had had sympathy for, Normandy and Brittany were always the key battlegrounds when it came to England versus France and who had right to the throne. So if you're in that part of of the world, you're going to have an opinion on whether it should go to the English guy or the French guy. But she is saying now, I'm going to England, I'm going to use English resources, I'm going to kill my own countrymen because of what they did to my husband. I mean, look, in defence of Jean on her means of attack and the fact that she attacked ships that were otherwise defenceless, it's not as if her husband had been captured in a fair way in battle. He'd been lured under false pretenses. So you can imagine that this fit into her sense of vengeance against everyone who had some sort of money. And the thing was that a lot of people traveling on these merchant ships were nobles. And at least the story goes that when she came to these ships, she'd sack them and kill everyone inside. And then with a final flourish, she personally would behead the nobles with her own axe as a direct kind of eye for an eye payback for her husband's beheading. A little reference. A little visual reference to what she'd been through. A signature. You've always got to take any depiction of female pirates with a grain of salt because they always seem to be just means to draw a woman in a tight box with her hair streaming, holding a big sword. It's always for the illustrations. Um, But supposedly, Jean herself was always in the front line, dressed in men's clothing. I'm assuming a sexy take on men's clothing. Again, this was probably done for an illustrator's bath. And what they would do is the three ships of the Black Fleet would converge on a single defenceless 
French merchant ship. They would use grappling hooks to board it, and then they would just work their way through, slaughtering everyone with daggers and bows. However, this couldn't go on for too long like this. She was becoming a bit of a pest. And after two years, some French Navy ships cornered her, and the fleet was obviously overwhelmed. They weren't used to dealing with anyone who also had weapons. And she had to flee the ship with Olivier and Guillaume, who had come with her, and they were nine and seven. Guillaume actually died of exposure because they spent days on a raft waiting to be rescued, and they were then taken in under the protection of the de Montfort family, who were the ones who were the English-backed claimants to the Dukedom of Brittany. So they were her former enemies, now turned staunch allies. Some of the details may seem a little bit overblown, but what we do know is that a French judgment of late 1343 condemned her as a traitor in her Mm. own right and ordered the confiscation of her lands. And we also know that in 1345, records from the English court indicate that Edward the king that her husband supposedly supported, granted her an income from lands that he now controlled in Brittany. We don't know exactly how long she was at sea and we don't know exactly how many people she killed. But she certainly killed some people and was at sea for some time and it is documented that she was a traitor. And she did then also marry an Englishman, Walter Bentley, who was a deputy of Edward. And she was betrayed yet again by a powerful benefactor because Edward III promised to restore her estates in Brittany to her and to her new husband, Walter Bentley, but then he changed his mind. He was engaged in planning a truce with the Duke of Brittany, Charles de Bois, the same one that Olivier de Clisson had stood up for all those years ago hmm. and got paid for it by having his head chopped off. And so in the end, they just said, no, you can't have it back. It's part of the treaty now. Uh, Bentley tried to plead their case. He was actually imprisoned in the Tower of London over this, but was later released. Luckily, they had loads of allies and they, it's, it kind of seems like they ended up being given a castle hmm. on the coast of Brittany where they just lived until they both died. <laughs> yeah, well, people are like, oh, isn't it weird that the details of her later life are lost to history? So not really. Like, she's a 50-year-old woman in <laughs> 1350, no one cared. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> it's only afterwards that people are like, oh, wow, she actually really yeah, did she's, something She's here. just been like a pirate on the high seas. I mean, what more do you want from someone? Like, I mean, It's amazing to start your career in piracy in your 40s. I mean, there's still yeah. hope for us, Harry. <laughs> uh, you know, as a mum of two right. as well. <laughs> Tomorrow. Back off, yeah, get out of the country and then we can come to the table together. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.